This is RV on Business. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Dr. Linda Mayer, Universities of South Africa, to discuss the matter. I think Dr. Linda's taking a bit of a walk at the moment. I can see a, a blank screen, so she was there, but she's not there at the moment. So, may ah, there we go. Dr. Linda Mayer, welcome back. Hello. It's good to see you, Avi. I hope you're well. Yeah, all good. Is that your real background, or you just put up that background? No, it's fake. I must oh, confess. <laughs> Beautiful stained glass windows, lead windows there behind you. Linda, let's get straight into it. Um, we all know that the work landscape has changed. We just spoke to Merit um, Investment House before. The challenges that we're having with fixed property investments, offices standing empty, renegotiating leases at a far lower cost. The reason is because you and I are working from home and a lot of our colleagues are working from home. But just paint the landscape for us. Is it here to stay? Is it going to change? What is the current play at the moment? So I think we need to be pragmatic in our evaluation and understand that for some organizations, remote working will become the order of the day. But there will be those organizations that want to migrate back. They feel it's very important to have that physical contact within the work environment. So we understand that for some businesses, there is no choice. So in the retail sector, for example, you can, you know, although there's been a huge upsurge in in e-purchases, uh, e-commerce, certainly when, when I go off to the pick and pay or the Woolworths, I, I want to see what I'm buying. I don't want to deliver to my house. And for some businesses, you know, it, it will remain in contact. I think airlines will have more technical modalities available to them. But we can see with the banks and the insurance industry, they've said outright that they're not bringing people back to the corporate head offices. Uh, they've learned from this lesson and they're going to optimize and uh, capitalize on the on the savings that they've been able to realize through this time. Melinda, you said that um, I remember during hard lockdown in South Africa last year, I was walking around the garden and I was speaking to a a, a colleague at, at head office, um, who I've spoken to quite a lot, and I said to him, so what's it like working from home? And there was the silence. He says, um, I've been here for two years. I said, what? He says, well, that's exactly the point. You do not know that I didn't sit at head office. And I answered the phone. I got the job done. I replied to emails. He says, the only challenge is that I've got an extra two hours a day to work and I need to learn how to not work during that time. That's the time I would have traveled to the office and the time I would have traveled back home. I'll now have available to work. So I've got to sort of just temp, you know, just get that right, get the balance right. Linda, what happens in a scenario where it, it's not a retail store? So I'm not a cashier or someone, you know, a, a, a health worker where I need to stand face to face. We are, do actually have the choice to work from home. And the company turns around and says to me, no, we want everybody back for whatever reason. Do I have a leg to stand on and say, no, I would like to negotiate it, or no, I want to stay at home? So the, the, in terms of common law, in terms of statute, the employer has a right in terms of your employment contract to tell you where and when you work. That's the whole premise of the employment relationship. Right. But you must remember, in terms of the Occupational Health and Safety Act, Employers have an obligation to ensure that employees are safe. So if they cannot, if they cannot guarantee your safety, if there's, you know, if, if you're still sitting around in cubicles uh, 10 centimeters away from someone else, there isn't adequate provision, there isn't uh, COVID-19 stations available to sanitize, all of these things, then you absolutely have a leg to stand on. 
but you must raise this formally with the employer and raise that as your area of objection. But you simply cannot just say no and stay away. That, that you certainly can't do. So I think, Linda, you raised a very important point, is that the employee is employed. The contract is with the employer who sets out the terms of employment. And they're there and they're clear. If you want to renegotiate them, open the communication. But what cannot turn around and demand that the, the rules are changing simply because the environment has changed. What happens in a scenario where an employee is, um, is COVID positive, but they're not sick? Someone's just tested, they're tested positive, they need to quarantine, um, but they're feeling absolutely fine. Well, let's take two scenarios. A scenario like that, is that considered leave or sick leave? And a scenario, obviously, where somebody is really ill and unable to work. How would those two scenarios pan out from a sick leave point of view? So in terms of the, the regulations that have been published under the amended consolidated directions on the occupational health and safety measures in the workplace, we see that, that first of all, an employee, if they contract COVID-19, doesn't matter whether they're presenting symptoms or not, they're entitled to sick leave. All they need is a medical certificate. But what the regulations also tell us now is if you've gone for tests and you're awaiting the outcome and you're feeling ill, that can also be used as a de facto medical certificate for you to be booked off sick. And we must remember that in terms of the sick leave, an employee that works five days a week is entitled to 30 days in a three-year cycle, a 36-month cycle. And uh, employees that work six days a week are entitled to, to 36 days. And I'm so like, keen to get back to you because I just want to discuss this particular thing. And that's those people who refuse to have the vaccine. For whatever reason, I'm not discussing their justification for it. But those people who refuse to have the vaccine, what is their status and my status when it comes to the workplace. So very interestingly, on the 11th of June, the Minister of Employment and Labour published these new regulations under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, which is opening the door towards compulsory vaccination. Now, we must remember we live in a constitutional democracy where this might be challenged in time, but employers now are compelled in the next 21 days to submit a plan of employees that they identify as compulsory that must uh, have the vaccine and those that that obviously aren't frontline workers that don't necessarily need the vaccine. So when employees, employees must obviously be uh, advised of the status that they have as a, as a compulsory vaccination identified employee. And if they object, the employer in terms of these regulations has been guided in, in three elements that they need to share with the employee. First of all is counseling them, seeking guidance from a health representative. Secondly, if the employee requires further medical evaluation, so the employee might say, I can't have the vaccination because of A, B, C, D reason, then obviously that needs to be tested with a medical practitioner. And further, the employer needs to make reasonable accommodation for this employee to see if they can move them in the workplace. So there's a big shift at the moment from the Department of Employment and Labor to ensure that vaccination is is really premised and, and foregrounded as an important element in the fight against COVID-19. But the, the point that you made and the third point is that ultimately if somebody does not want to have it for whatever reason, accommodation needs to be made for that person. So it's not a grounds to dismiss the person and it's not a ground to ostracize the person. 
So, so we speak about reasonable accommodation, right? So we need to see if we can move them into a different uh, uh, area in the workplace. But certainly if, if you know, we can use, uh, you know, the different in uh, masks that, that they could be utilizing, make reasonable accommodation. But in terms of the regulations, as they currently stand, untested, I must say they haven't been, been tested in the court of law, there is, the door is being opened where if an employee uh, refuses outright, that the employer will in time be able to take steps. If, if there's no medical reason and if they're just being obstructed in terms of not uh, getting the vaccine. As I said, we live in a constitutional democracy. I don't necessarily agree with everything that has been written, but the regulations have been published in that form. Brenda, we always run out of time, whether you've been in studio, whether we've been on Zoom. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of questions coming through, and I think I'm just going to have the last word here and say where I am now in Israel, as of today, there are zero COVID restrictions. Everything is being li- lifted. You can go into a supermarket, into a mall, into a place of worship without a mask, and it's all because the vaccine arrived and it was handed out efficiently. So I just really ask everybody to do their best to get it, Go through it, get it done. Every person who has it is one less person that it can be transmitted to. Dr. Linda Mayer, thank you so much as always for your time. Be safe and thank you for your input. Thank you, Abi. And I've just messaged you the link for the for the directives for those individuals that would like to read it. Thank you so much and be well.